Welcome to the official Farming Simulator Podcast, your source for news, insights, interviews, and more. Brought to you by Giant Software. You can listen to us on our website, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Once a month, we'll bring you another episode. Hello everyone and welcome to the Firing Simulator podcast. My name is Lars Maltrek or Lizardon. I'm the community lead here at Giant Software and I'm happy to say Happy New Year. Welcome to 2023. We have an exciting year in front of us and I can't wait to share all the things with you that we have in stock. For now though, we're going to talk about John Deere, about the Green Week, about precision farming and about what all these things mean when they come together. For this, I've sent out Chucky to talk to Dr. Engel from John Deere about the Green Week, precision farming, and all the cool things around it. Hello, everybody. I have a very special guest with me, uh, Dr. Engel from John Deere. A few people of you might know him already. Hello, Dr. Engel. Hello. How are you? I'm very fine. Um, you, you're here for a reason because um, we, we heard that uh, John Deere is at the Green Week in Berlin in January. So we're looking a bit into the future. So uh, for, for those uninitiated, uninitiated, what is the Green Week? So the Green Week is a large consumer show in Berlin. And typically in the last years, more than 400,000 people have visited the Green Week, and most of them are not from the farming community. Most of them are people from the city of Berlin, and they go there to to learn. Or to, a lot of them go there to to eat and drink because there is also <laughs> a lot lot to eat and drink there, but um, also to go there to to see what what else is around, and we use the chance to go there to bring these people a little closer to farming or to agriculture because most of them have no clue what's going on in agriculture. Mm -hmm. And uh, we want to show them farming nowadays is high-tech. And with that high-tech, we can, I would say, we, uh, we, we can do a lot to make farming also more sustainable also more uh, economical, sustainable, and environmental sustainable, because sustainability is, has a wide range of, of meanings. So overall, we want to show them the consumer farming is high-tech and farming is attractive, and, and it helps to produce very high-quality food with lowest environmental impact. Yeah, and uh, from our community, I know that we have a lot of people who are super interested in uh, agriculture in all its various forms. Um, so I, I reckon for them, this is super interesting. So if you guys are interested in that and have the ability to come to Berlin um, this year, uh, well, next year, it's on January 20th to the 29th in Berlin, the Grüne Woche, as it's called in German. Um, and go visit the John Deere exhibits because uh, you you have a few things prepared there. You you talked about various uh, uh, manure system. A manure system is there, right? Yes, um, <clears throat> I think when you talk about sustainability in farming and the 
let's say, CO2 impact or CO2 footprint of farming. One of the biggest areas is fertilization. Mm-hmm. So fertilization means that you can you can uh, fertilize organic manure or you can uh, use mineral fertilizer. And to produce the mineral fertilizer, you need a lot of gas and a lot of energy. So all what you can do to reduce the mineral fertilizer application um, uh, is very positive for the environment. That on the other side, we have organic fertilizer as more or less waste from from livestock farming, and this has a lot of nutrients. So to apply these nutrients in the best way helps, first of all, to reduce the amount of mineral fertilizer that you need, but it also helps to, to, let's say, to apply only that amount of fertilizer that the plant really needs, and none of the nutrients like nitrate goes into the groundwater because the plant cannot use it. So with what we have now is a near-infrared sensor, high-tech, which can measure the nutrient content in the manure, in the slurry manure. And with that, when you drive over the field, you can exactly apply the amount that the plants can can use at that time most efficiently. And so, so you save on the one hand, you protect the environment, but you also reduce, on the other hand, the needs for mineral fertilizer. So it's uh, really a double-edged sword. And uh, this sensor is is really very perfect and it's very good to increase sustainability of farming. Yeah, it's like the big topic of precision farming in general. And it's one of the reasons why I love that mod so much. Um, so, but this, of course, also requires a lot of uh, digital work. And uh, you hinted at it earlier when you said that farming is a lot of high tech nowadays. Um, I reckon the days where a lot of farms in the future will just go by with a tractor and a plow and call it a day, um, they're, they're long gone. So what, what's the future for digitalization in agriculture, in your opinion? Yeah, I think uh, digitalization is a very wide area and nearly everything goes digital. But let me first uh, finish what we show at the Green Week. Oh, sure. So I think because we have still uh, a few other things which we show there. One thing is also that we uh, we, we have uh, also a research project which is around weed identification with artificial intelligence. And, mm. uh, it's, um, and there we show our product see and spray or how that works and we have that also included in the farming simulator so the, the gaming community can see what that means so you are using artificial intelligence or neural networks machine learning by to make pictures so on this on the spray boom typically a sprayer has a very wide boom and then um to spray with the valves there and nearly at every valve or not at every but every second or third valve you have a camera and the camera uh, clearly watches let's say is directed to the soil or to the ground and the camera makes pictures and then we can quickly with the help of these neural networks of artificial intelligence identify where we have weeds and only where we have weeds uh, the system then applies herbicides. So with that, you can save 50 to 90% of herbicides, which is a big cost reduction for the farmer. But again, 
uh, a way to massively increase sustainability of farming because where you don't spray there cannot be any res residues from from pesticides uh, you also have the advantage uh, typically when you spray a herbicide and you uh, uh, the plant the, what you grow will not die from that only the weeds will die but it also is a little bit of a growth shock to that plant so typically when you apply a herbicide you also can assume that the yield of that plant can be a few percent less and if you don't apply because there are no weeds then uh, also the yield in these areas will be higher so again also a lot of positive effects for the farmer and for the environment and finally the third thing what we uh, present there is what we call a multi-fuel tractor uh, typically a tractor nowadays has a diesel engine but i think we all know that we need to get rid of fossil fuels and um, that will not go will not happen from from day from within within the next year but longer term and that also helps us to be less dependent from from countries like russia or from oil producers so the farmer ideally can be totally um, self uh, he can can create his own fuel by growing oil plants like rapeseed oil or sunflowers and um, so with that we can also use in th in theory not on a diesel uh, engine but uh, uh, you need to modify the engine for that tractor but you can run that tractor then also with other types of fuels like like biofuels like rapeseed oil and with that if the farmer grows that uh, he has the big advantage that he he can yeah he doesn't need to buy diesel uh, and so in that research project that we also show there are the results of that research project uh, is that we are can we have shown that it's possible to to run a tractor also with with plant oil or even with mixes uh, so you can let's say half plant oil half diesel etc but for that you need sensors you need to because these types of fuels have different viscosity and other things so it's still a bit to go this this tractor is not available for the farmers yet but we want to show that in future you can also run tractors without fossil fuels you can use it with with uh, plant plant-based fuels absolutely fascinating um yeah do you have still anything to add to the green week no i think that's uh, mainly just the three areas that we present there but like i said in 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 general we want to show that to the consumers to bring them a little bit back closer to to farming yeah uh, where we always say uh, in uh, john deere in the past we say we are linked to the land and most of the people are no more linked to the land they think food comes from the supermarket and we want to bring at least some knowledge back to these city people from berlin mm -hmm. yeah and we also want to show politicians that's also a lot of politicians are going there we want to show oh. them also what is doable nowadays when it comes to high tech and sustainability of farming yeah no that sounds uh super interesting i 
I wish I wish I had time in January to go there because uh, you made actually made me curious there. Um, so for anyone who got interested in it, it's the Berlin International Green Week or the Internationale Grüne Woche Berlin, January 22, 29th. Go there and check it out if you can. But uh, we're not just talking about the Green Week, right? We also have, uh, I wanted to talk also about digitalization and agriculture a little bit. Yes. Yeah, so, I would say we are in the middle of, of our, or we have, we are in the middle of that, what, what I call, uh, I like that word better, is digital transformation of agriculture. Because mm. digitalization is, yeah, I think transformation uh, um, makes it more clear that we transforming agriculture from, a, let's say, from the old traditional way where you were doing things like seeding and fertilizing, using, using more or less doing that in the field uh, that we apply everywhere the same amount of seed or fertilizer and have some rules over the thumb uh, which helps to plan that. Nowadays with sensors and modern technology, we can get so many data uh, so that we can make much better decisions uh, and to improve profitability, but also the sustainability of farming. And that digital transformation started more or less 25 years ago when we, uh, when we realized that to do that, first of all, we need, we need exact positioning in the field. And at that time, a GPS was, available, was not available officially for the public use, only for military, but you could mm -hmm. already use it. It was not very accurate. But at that time, we said, let's, let's work on using GPS also on farming machinery. And at that time, it's more or less 25 years ago, uh, we uh, purchased a company called Navcom Technologies in California, which had already GPS receivers uh, or was working on that. But at that time, they were only built for, for surveying, for measuring a point for the surveying business or a little bit in construction machines, very slow moving machinery. And we said we need that for agriculture and for agriculture we have sometimes fast moving machines. A sprayer can, can be used in the field up to 20 kilometers per hour. And at that time these GPS receivers, they were not built and designed for that. They were not good enough. So we said we want to build a GPS receiver especially for that purpose of uh, use for the use in agriculture. And so that's why we acquired that company and two or three years later we introduced our so-called Starfire receiver, which uh, was really purely designed to be used on, on our machines and which brought us also, I think we are still, um, when it comes to farming, uh, this is the best performing receiver in the industry and you still see a lot of competitive machines also with with yellow and green starfire receivers uh, on, on their roof. So uh, this is where it all started already 25 years ago and but we are still in the middle of that transformation and um, yeah uh, so so the goal was at that time uh, we realized that in the field or we knew already long ago in the field, you have different yield levels. 
So when you're talking wheat, for example, then uh, and your field has an average of, of seven or eight tons uh, per hectare of wheat, then you have some areas where you have 10 tons and other areas where five tons. And with using GPS and a sensor to measure that, we were at that time for the first time able to create yield maps where we just saw exactly the differences in the field. And then when it comes to precision farming, we said now it's the time we have these data now. Now it's the time to look into changing our our uh, yield, uh, changing our crop production, that it's no more everywhere in the field the same fertilizer amount, the same seed amount. With this data, we can now react and can change our how we, we grow plants. And um, at that time, the issue was that you had now the data suddenly, and but also all the experts for crop production they really didn't know what to do with the data because it was not clear what do I need to change when I have a lower yield? Do I need to apply more uh, to raise the yield there or eventually just apply less because that yield cannot be higher there because water is missing or this is, the soil is too poor at that place? So it was difficult at that time to really bring yeah, to, to introduce that precision farming ideas, we call it also variable rate application of, of inputs. And at that time, farmers started, but like I said, I didn't know what to do. But they realized quickly that we can use GPS also, or we realized also we can use GPS to steer a machine. And here the value for the farmer is much easier to grab, to understand, because you save overlap, and when you save overlap, you save fuel, you save seed, etc. So that's where we really got traction, and we introduced an automatic steering system 20 years ago, our so-called so auto track system. And in the meantime, this is more or less standard on all large machines. So if a new tractor or combine or forage harvester is ordered, typically it's ordered with such an automatic steering system. Uh, and with that, we, we brought these high-tech on the machines. And now we have many, many more data to, to collect or many more ways to collect data like satellite images or drones and sensors on the machines. So we have now so so such a high amount of data that we now really start to use this data and do variable rate application. Uh, we see now many, many more customers which are at least starting with that. So with that, it took quite quite a while to get there, but in the, we are now in the middle of that digital transformation. Yeah, and I reckon this also informs how machines are designed. At least I can uh, imagine we have a lot of data. So of course, the image of how uh, tractors look will yeah. also change in the next uh, few decades. Um, I mean, we're already starting with self-driving tractors that don't even have a cabin for a driver. So, yeah. yeah I, think uh, I think one, one thing, yeah, th these are two different items. One thing is now clearly people say, if you have, if, if the tra tractor can drive himself uh, or itself, 
why do we still need a driver? Because at the moment, a tractor driver can sit there and can ju just watch what's going on. And everything is done automatically on a tractor when you do tillage, for example. But the issue is that we typically do more than only driving from A to B. We have to do a job, and that job can be tillage or seeding or fertilizer application. And for that, it's not only driving a predefined route in the field, uh, you also need much more information. And therefore, I think we are not there that we say at the moment we already could do everything without a driver. We just started now in the US, we introduced our first fully autonomous tractor, the 8R tractor, which is a tractor in the uh, highest, in the higher horsepower segment between 300 and 400 horsepower. So larger tractors, they do typically a lot of field work, tillage work, for example. And that one can be used fully autonomously um, for tillage, only for that specific job. So mm -hmm. the tractor driver can drive to the field. It still has a cap. He can drive to the field Can uh, because we still don't have any chance short term to get approval for legal reasons so that such a tractor could drive without a driver to the field. We would need a trailer to bring yeah. it to the field. or So therefore, we still keep a cap. We, uh, we drive there and then the tractor driver uh, can leave and and can start the job on his tablet or on his mobile phone. And then the tractor is when it's a large field, runs on that field for a few hours and the farmer in the US can go home and can play with his kids or can do another job like whatever, uh, some office work that, that he needs to do. And, and because just being in the field and do tillage is, yeah, it's a recurring job. It's not nothing special. And, and there we start, but we will in the future add step-by-step step more functionality. But at the moment, it's a normal tractor that can do autonomous tillage. And for the, all the other jobs that a tractor driver has to do, we still need a driver. And when you look then into smaller uh, field robots, where we also see more and more activities, also from a lot of companies and startups, these these field robots are typically designed just to do one very specific job. And a good example is, again, weed control, because that's relatively simple. You can use um, can use cameras and artificial intelligence to identify weeds, and then you can have a small robot that drives over the field and just uh, uses different tools like a mechanical tool, uh, hoe, hoeing, or also doing... Uh, very specific spraying or using laser beams to kill the weeds. There's a lot going on in, in, in some of these areas, but all are very, very specific. So this is, this is the one thing uh, when it comes to automatic driving. So for us, it's still, I would say, when it comes to the design of the machine, uh, these data um, don't make such a big difference. But um, but we have more where we can learn from, and these are machine data. So we have a telemetric system on our tractors, which is called JD Link. Mm. And with that, we transfer data from the machine to the cloud. And, and uh, with there, we have what we call the John Deere Operation Center, 
where you can see the farmer sees all the fields, sees what, what he has harvested, what he, which fertilizer he has applied, etc. because all these data are transferred automatically, wirelessly to that operation center. Typically this, and then the question always comes, what happens with the data? And there we have to, we have to distinguish between machine data and, and field or crop data. For the machine data, we say as John Deere, uh, if the farmer wants to use our system, he needs to, or he agrees that he allows us to use this data in an anonymized, aggregated way so that we can see what's going on with the machines, how they are used, what fuel consumption they have, are there any problems on that tractor? So all, let's say, error codes, if, if let's say, if, if a lamp would turn on on the tractor that something is wrong, then this would be automatically transferred. And then we have this crop data. And we say, we only look into the machine data. The farmer will give gives us that that right to use this data, but not the field data. We say the field data, crop yields, fertilizer amounts, etc. That is only that belongs to the farmer, and we don't look into that. But from the machine data, we can learn a lot. We can learn really how they are used, and I, I can give you an example. We have uh, when we when we have to yeah, build a new a new series of of machines. Very often, this is driven for example, by emission regulations. So the next year, in every five, four, every four or five years, we have another level of, of emissions. So emissions always need to be reduced. And, um, and then you do need to design a new machine. And we, we had the example that that was also true for our self-propelled sprayers. And that's an example from the US, but in, in theory, you can transfer that also to other areas. But that's one I know very well. Um, so what they looked, they took all this, and the self-propelled sprayers have different sizes. There's an entry-level model and a very large model. And they looked into the entry-level model, uh, entry model and said, okay, let's see how they are performing in the field. So they used the data from more than a thousand sprayers. They, they aggregated them and checked things like... Um, like engine load. And they realized that the engine load of this entry-level model was relatively small. Because when you have a self-propelled sprayer, you have just a machine rolling over the field, transporting, let's say, two, three, four tons of water and uh, running into tracks where other machines were running before. So you have ne nearly no, not much rolling resistance. And, and you just have to, to drive and use pumps to spray water. And that doesn't need so much energy. So we realized uh, probably these entry-level models, the engine there uh, is, is, is too big. And normally farmers like big engines and like a lot of horsepower. But um, we decided at that time, this was a 6.8 liter engine. And we decided at that time, Let's use for the next model just a 4.5 liter engine. This is more than enough. And this is really a win-win situation for us and for the farmer. Because 
we save money because we can put a lower a, a smaller engine in there the farmer saves money because we can offer that machine cheaper and the farmer also saves money because he needs less fuel uh, because a smaller engine needs less fuel so really yeah, a win win situation for for all of all of us and with that farmers have no problem that we use the data in, in such a way that we make design decisions uh, for future for future machines or we find problems in the field uh, through this telemetry data where we see that something is not performing optimal so we can also do over the air a software update so that the machine then is running better so a lot of opportunities a lot of options this is absolutely fascinating i love that example because yeah of, of course um if, if you don't have data you assume that a bigger engine is going to be the better option for you but uh once once you look at data once you look at statistics you often find out hold on a second we can do better so farmers typically if you can prove them you need to convince them that this more, this is enough horsepower but when you can show them a graph or can show them results from from previous machines then it's much easier that they yeah. accept that I mean, I, I am at fault here myself. Anytime I boot up a new farming simulator game, uh, I'm going straight for something like the 8RX uh, with the biggest engine, etc., because it's easy. And uh, then this, sometimes I'm on a map where there's a lot of small roads and I'm like, this is a way too big machine for this. <laughs> yep. Anyway. Yeah, and it's also when it comes to sustainability, it, it yeah. needs more fuel. Uh, it needs, it's, you can save money and you can can really do it in a more sustainable way with smaller machines if the machine is still good enough but absolutely um okay this has been super fascinating is there anything else you you want to tell us or yeah i think when when it comes to to this digital transformation or precision farming i think we some of these things we we talked about we have tried to really implement in our precision farming module on the farming simulator and i was let's say leading that project from richard deer side and i thought it was a fascinating project because now we have the chance to explain to our customers much easier how a system works or, or what we can do and the same is true at the green week you can show then with the farming simulator a technology like sea and spray which you cannot when you see just a machine uh, and it's probably hard for them to understand that clearly you can use also a video a youtube video or to do that but no, i think sometimes if then people can try it on your own and see it and can play it in a farming simulator this is uh, i think much better because it includes them in that let's say learning just watching a, a video it can can yeah you can watch it and say oh interesting and then you forget it again but if you try it out on a game i think that is is yeah, much better yeah generally if you can just sit down and play around with a simulation especially uh change the parameters see what changes this is always super useful to have and that's one of the reasons why i'm super happy that precision farming made its way to farming simulator um and i hope we're going to keep doing things with precision farming as it develops yeah i think it's there's still like i said we are probably in the middle when it comes to yeah from the adoption we are just at the beginning there's still a lot of opportunities also for john deere but at the moment 
we say we have already a lot of things and it's much more important that farmers and consumers understand what we already can do and how attractive farming is because we want to also attract young talent. We want to attract young talent for John Deere. We are always looking for good engineers uh, and that's so that they understand this is really eventually much more interesting just as designing a part of a car. And, uh, and the other thing is also for, let's say, young kids, we want to also, uh, we need still in future farmers and some farmers have really issues that they, they don't have a successor and they want to stop farming and then if they have don't have children or whatever or children for whatever reason are not interested they need to find somebody who who uses that land in future and the more we can make children or young people uh, show them how attractive farming and how high tech that can be the better yeah um since i started working at giants in 2019 my perspective has even changed and i'm not a city kid um i come from a small village in austria so uh tractors and combine harvesters have been around me my whole life and my grandfather was a farmer um but i still like ever since i started working here i'm like hold on this is a thing <laughs> so it's super fascinating getting yep. more and more insights and like even when we were uh at the john deere facility in mannheim uh back for farmcon this was like wow there's some cool stuff here yes yeah farming i think it's um we are more and more i think people realize that and uh but nevertheless we are still uh, at the beginning of that journey and we need to proactively spread that message around in the community and in the society that modern farming is much better than traditional farming. Precision farming is much better uh, than traditional farming because a lot of people think farming of our grandparents was the ideal farming. This was the most sustainable way and the opposite is true. This was not sustainable how our grandparents have farmed because they have, let's say, the use of their manure or whatever was, was by far less environmental friendly like nowadays. Clearly the machines are now bigger and that makes a lot of people nervous or think it's, this is bad in general because of soil compaction and, and, and. But uh, also there, the tractors in the past uh, they made more soil compaction because smaller tractors need, first of all, more tracks. They had narrow tires. And nowadays with tracks or with wide tires and uh, also central tire inflation systems where you can reduce the pressure in the field quickly, um, you can have, you have less soil compaction than when you walk with your feet over the field because the pressure per square per square meter is is lower than what your pressure is of on your of your feet yeah oh i i i wanted to say something but i completely forgot it because this now com i i mentally i was on the field walking over it right now um <laughs> 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 Amazing. Uh, no, I absolutely love this. Um, and I reckon we could probably talk another hour about everything precision farming related. But um, yeah, I think it's a good point to uh, close it here. 
What do you yeah, think? It was a pleasure. Yeah, we can, we can do an that. absolute it was a pleasure, pleasure talking to you and enjoyed it. Yeah, thank you again for agreeing to do this uh, little podcast interview. Um, and uh, I'll leave you a final word. Yeah, I, I would say first of all, also thank you from my side to give me that opportunity. And uh, like I said before, everybody who is interested and have the chance, go to the Green Week, see our machines and what we show there in real life and also see what we present there on the farming simulator. Well, that was interesting for sure. Thank you, Jackie. Thank you, Dr. Engel. Um, it was awesome having you at FarmCon. It's also awesome having you in this podcast. That was a lot of insight and I hope you guys out there enjoyed it. I have to say goodbye, everyone. Have a fantastic week, month, day, whatever you like. And we're gonna talk to you next time in February, if you want to. Goodbye.